So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football. Hope everyone had a good bye week. Scott Ritchie, how was your bye week? It was fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Didn't really change much for me. There's no game to cover, but you know, it didn't mean there was nothing to do. Um, so, and really, it was almost not almost not a full bye week for Illinois, you know, because this week's game is on Thursday. Mm-hmm. They started, you know, their Chattanooga prep over the weekend. So, and a little bit even, you know, during. You know, the actual week of the buy. Uh, so, it was just sort of business as usual. Okay. Just no game on Saturday mm-hmm. to fill most of the day. No game on Saturday this week either. Uh, those are the words. That's the uh, voice of Scott Ritchie, our, our Illini beat writer here at the News Gazette. I'm Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette. And uh, Thursday night football in Champaign this week. First ever Thursday night home game at Memorial Stadium. They've had four Thursday games since 1963, I believe, and doing some research yeah, ahead of this podcast. The they, last one was a Thanksgiving game against 2001. Uh, they beat uh, beat the Wildcats to eventually win the Big Ten title. Or Northwestern. Did I Northwest, say you said Nebraska. It's okay. It was an end. One of the end schools. I don't <laughs> Nebraska wasn't in the Big Ten in 2001, Scotty. That's probably what I should have remembered. Um, that would make a lot of sense, but I don't know. They're both terrible football teams now, so that they are. Northwestern lost to an FCS opponent in Southern Illinois uh, last Saturday. A, a, a winless to that point, Southern Illinois. Northwestern's still leading the Big Ten West, though, right now because they're the only Big Ten West team to have won a <laughs> conference game so far. Even though Pat Fitzgerald's Wildcats are one and two, uh, and they haven't even won a game in the United States this season, they had to go to Dublin in order to beat. Nebraska. Well, then they had to play Nebraska. I think that's, that's true. At least Scott Frost got to go to Dublin before he got fired. So there's that. But uh, sure. Illinois, sure. Uh, and Scott Frost is fine, by the way. He got paid fifteen million dollars to go away. Uh, Illinois, though, hosts an FCS opponent this Thursday night. The Chattanooga Mocs come to Champaign six months after they almost beat the Illini. And oh wait, that's a different sport in yeah. men's basketball. Uh, but the two schools. Two fan bases, I guess you could say, have some uh, some recent history, given that it's been six months or so since Coleman Hawkins blocked a last-second layup attempt by what, Malachi Smith? Malachi Smith. Who's now at long, Gonzaga. no longer on the Chattanooga <laughs> roster. <laughs> Silvio D'Souza, no longer with Chattanooga. Lamont Paris, no longer coaching Chattanooga men's basketball. He's now the South Carolina head coach. Yeah. Um, so I think Illinois fans are hoping uh, – Brett Bielma's team doesn't need Coleman Hawkins to like I don't come in and block a punt or something. That would be good. Uh, don't think don't think Illinois is gonna. Hopefully Illinois will lead for more than what thirty five seconds is what the basketball team did last March out in Pittsburgh in the first round of the NCAA tournament against Chattanooga. Uh, sure. I 
I really don't remember much about that game other than Coleman Hawkins, you know, made sure that they didn't lose. Well, let's just hope the Illinois football offense is firing on all cylinders better than the Illinois men's basketball offense was against Chattanooga back in March. And uh, they've had some extra time now to, to get ready for, for the Mox, who are a respectable FCS program. They're 3-0 three, three and oh on the season. Ranked number 10 uh, in, in they're number the country. Nine. Are they um, 10? Well, they're a top 10 FCS team who've already visited. There's several different pools. Who have already visited East Central Illinois, by the way, this season. They were in uh, Charleston, Illinois a few weeks ago. and Got the dub. Got the 38-20 the to 20 win against uh, the Eastern Illinois Panthers. So, uh, But Illinois has never lost to an FCS opponent. 17-0 all-time against schools that played in the former 1AA uh, division which is now and has been for some time FCS. And and now would be a really bad time to make history in, you know, that you know negative fashion because you know we talked about Northwestern losing to SIU, Nebraska, I don't know, basically giving up on the season, I think they should um like Washington State beat Wisconsin, Iowa has the worst offense in the country. They like, they do actually. They're 131st in total offense. They're averaging 217 yards per game. Yeah, at That's least they have more points than punts through three <laughs> games because that wasn't the case through two. So the Big Ten West, as it turns out, is a dumpster fire. Might be up for grabs. <laughs> so Illinois, yeah, probably, and obviously losing to Chattanooga wouldn't hurt their chances at a Big Ten West title because it doesn't go against their conference schedule. But just a bad look in general, real bad. Um, so. A win on Thursday night, unfortunately, at 7.30. Um, kind of a big deal. Yeah, the path to six wins for Illinois and uh, any of its bull aspirations includes a win uh, against Chattanooga. Uh, Thursday night game, game was originally scheduled for Saturday. Uh, they moved it sometime in the last 18 months. I don't remember exactly when. Or all, why. All Well, the why, the why is so they have extra days to rest and prepare for Big Ten, a second Big Ten game now. The Big Ten reopener. The Big Ten reopener at Wisconsin, which was supposed to be the Big Ten opener and the season opener, I believe, when the schedule first came out. Yeah. Uh, a lot has changed since then. But uh, yeah, October 1st, Illinois goes to Wisconsin, learn the kickoff time for the Bielema Bowl at Camp Randall, uh, 11 a.m. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> 11 a.m. at. Uh, uh, so they can be jumping around by one thirty or so at the the venerable venue. Um, I, in an ideal world, yeah. And based off of you know the the real pace of play problem college football has, um, probably closer to two. Okay, because these games last four hours. I was looking at actually Chattanooga, uh, their first three games, uh, the longest was against the Panthers of Eastern Illinois. And it lasted three hours and 15 minutes. That's like, that's perfect. That's football time. And you know why it was short? It's because they didn't have the TV timeouts. <laughs> that last, I mean, doesn't matter. ESPN, Fox, whoever. BTN. Last forever. Okay. You're just sitting there just waiting. They just want to, you know, elongate the experience and make it worthwhile for everyone. They want to get paid. <laughs> that too. Um, but it's, I mean... It's a four-hour game. Like if you're coming to a college football game, you decide to go to one. Bank on four hours. Mm -hmm. Just I'm just putting the warning out there. All right, fair enough. 
the four-hour warning. Uh, somehow, even after Illinois had its bye week this season, Chase Brown still leads the country in rushing yards. The Illinois running back has 496. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim at Minnesota actually is second in the country at 464, I believe, right behind Brown. But uh, he's clearly been Illinois' most valuable player through the first three weeks of the season and has another chance to rack up some, some big yards Thursday night against Chattanooga, Scotty. Yeah, and I mean his 199 um, at Indiana certainly has you know boosted his overall total. But he's just he picks up like six yards every time mm-hmm. he touches the ball on on average. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I think the big thing was in the Virginia game that he didn't have to carry it 36 times, mm-hmm. like. There was a lot of discussion before that game. It was like, okay, we're really going to try and maybe manage this a little better. You know, that was you know, Brett Bielma and Barry Lonnie. was like, probably it's not sustainable mm-hmm. to give him the ball you know, close to 40 times a game. And they did. They mm-hmm. they cut back, and he was no less effective. I mean, he put up, I think, like almost 150. 146, I believe, was the yeah. final total. So uh, almost 150. Yeah, almost his third game, topping 150 yards this season. But uh, no Josh McCray uh, in, in the most recent game for Illinois, which we haven't even talked about. We haven't podcast since the the Illini took it to the, the Cavaliers, 24-3 to yeah. on September 10th here in, in Champaign. And uh, no Josh McCray for that game. No uh, Josh, no Josh McCray Thursday night against one. Chattanooga. Uh, I know as we record this on a bright and sunny, hot hot here in Champaign uh, as we record this on a Tuesday. It's about 90 degrees. In a couple days it'll be about 50. Can't wait. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Brett Bielema, I believe, dressed reporters this morning, Scotty. Yeah, and, uh, uh, about an hour ago. No uh, Josh McCray hopeful maybe for the Wisconsin game on October 1st? Maybe. And Or is that just gamesmanship from, from Bielema so Paul Christ and Jim Leonard don't have to they won't know their plans ahead. I mean, of no time. coach would ever do that. Exactly. You know, just sort of him and haw and obfuscate about a player's you know injury status. That's that never. Um, no, I I think he was never going to play against Chattanooga. I mean, mm-hmm. even after the bye, like it was just one. You probably don't need him. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would hope not. Yeah, they're hoping they don't. But also, like. It's not so much of, you know, the recovery itself. I mean, that's obviously a big part, you know, his right knee just to be healthy. But kind of what happens when he is back in practice, like going all out and getting ready for a game, like how does the knee respond? And I think that will take a little more time. Maybe he plays at Wisconsin. We'll see. I mean, he's got more than, I mean, like a week and a half, Mm -hmm. essentially, you know, until that, that game. But... If he does, I mean, that's obviously a bonus. If he doesn't, Chase Brown might carry the ball 40 times. <laughs> I can't it. We'll see. That, that whole manages carries thing might go out the window. It seems Reggie Love the third has kind of slid into that backup running back role. Yeah, I mean. Previously f- occupied by McCray. Yeah, I mean, for that Wyoming game when McCray got hurt, it was both Chase Hayden and Reggie Love. Um, but it, it's pretty clear the that Reggie Love is – the the number two mm-hmm. now and Chase Hayden's probably the number three and then there's Gibson City product Aiden Lawfrey, um, 
it was in theory the four. It just hasn't maybe gotten his his shot quite yet. Okay. Uh, really impressive defensive performance by uh, Ryan Walters' units uh, against Virginia. Made Brennan Armstrong look silly at times. Definitely made him not look like the quarterback that picked apart Illinois last season in Charlottesville when Armstrong threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, he just looked bewildered and confused, and I, I get that Virginia's offensive line was basically rebuilt, and they have a first-year head coach and Tony Elliott, but still, minus the last, and again, I under, I'm not trying to pull a Tim Beckman here and say if you take out three or four plays, it makes a difference. No, I'm not doing that. The defense <laughs> as a whole this season, I would say 90% of their time, it's been been pretty stout what the the defense has put forth by the Illini. Yeah, well, I mean, only gave up three points to mm-hmm. Virginia and what, three to Wyoming? Six? Six. It was 38 to six. Yeah. Um, 23 Indiana, to Indiana. With, like, the one deep ball touchdown. Like, that was, like, maybe really the only, like, super broken play mm-hmm. they've given up. But the sticking point, too, is that, that last drive that the Hoosiers had and, and the or it was very very easy for them to score yes the, 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 the prevent defense did not prevent Sean Shivers from shivering into the end zone with less than 30 seconds left in the game yeah. but I mean the defense has been the strength mm-hmm. of the team I mean the offense hasn't been bad when they've held on to the ball which is kind of the issue nine turnovers in the last two games um, but the defense it's like I enjoy Ryan Walters while you can because when Rick George has to fire his football <laughs> coach at Colorado, I mean, it's a done deal. There's your new leader of the Buffaloes. Yeah, Carl Durrell, the, I believe he's in his third season at, yeah. at Colorado. But oh. they just got the kiss of death with the uh, statement from Rick George. It's like, yeah, everybody settle down. And we're not going to fire the coach. Well, that's step one in you know, the firing your coach playbook. 0-3 uh, start for, for Colorado. Uh, 49-7 loss to P.J. Fleck and the Fighting gophers, rowing oars, however you want to. Yeah, it sounds call like Colorado could use a defensive minded <laughs> coach. And Ryan Walters happened to play for Colorado. But um, even having to replace, I, you know, Owen Carney, uh, Kirby Joseph, Tony mm-hmm. Adams, like. Jake Hansen. You know, Jake was yeah, hurt most of still, the year. But still. Um, they've done that and haven't really you know, lost a step and you know Kendall Smith is doing his best Kirby Joseph mm-hmm. impression he's got picks in the last two games and probably could add two uh, against Virginia just got a case of little dropsies on one of them but um, on the edge you know it's, it took a few games but you know true freshman you know Gabe Ackes mm-hmm. maybe the best pass rusher on the team he's going to play more now that Ezekiel Holmes is mm-hmm. out for the season with the a knee injury, and I kind of always assumed that Akis was going to take that spot mm-hmm. anyway, just because you know the way the coaches talked about him, uh, they were very high on his ability, and he came in Big Ten ready, you know, from a phys- physical standpoint. Um, and then you know, Taz Nicholson has been you know a good counterpoint to Devin Witherspoon, you know, on the edge at cornerback. So they found the replacements and you know figured out. I think. All of them are just more comfortable year mm-hmm. two in the defense, and I think that's led to maybe a more a confident approach, and they're just making plays. Is it safe to say that Weatherspoon has kind of filled the Kirby Joseph playmaking role in in the back half of the defense this year with his his production so far through the first three games? 
Yeah, in a or, way. Or is Quan Martin, or is it just kind of the, the kind two of, of them? Kind of a combination. Okay. You know, and Kendall Smith as well, just mm-hmm. being, you know, the last line of defense and being in the right place at the right time. And, but, you know, like, you've got to be in that right place and mm-hmm. know when to be there. So it's not just, you know, he's not just lucking into these. But, you know, Devin Witherspoon against Virginia, I mean, didn't have a pick, but, like, he was just draped over mm-hmm. the receivers all game long, you know, broke up three passes, and just really, I mean, was that, kind of quote-unquote shut down corner that you know, Aaron Henry before the season the cornerbacks I was just like yeah he can be he's not there yet but like he's making the strides certainly through three games to to be that Keith Randolph coming off a big game too uh, against Virginia uh, must have gotten jealous of Johnny Newton getting all the praise and pub after the Indiana game I mean so. kind of <laughs> like because those two are our friends but they like compete with each other mm-hmm. and you know, Keith said after the Virginia game that, like, after Johnny kind of went off against Indiana, like, he, he cornered him on the bus and it was like, it was going, like, watching the films, like, what did you see here? What mm-hmm. did you do here? Like, he was going, Keith was going to do everything he could to, so he could have his moment mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, you know, the law firm is still up and running and, you know, both have been, have been really productive and mm-hmm. it's, you don't always see, like, and, the nomenclature is a little strange, but like they're defensive tackles essentially. Yeah. Um, like you don't see those guys, you know, have a ton of tackles, but like they're just getting stops at mm-hmm. the line or behind the line mm-hmm. a lot. Final question about the defense before we kind of shift gears uh, a little bit. What are you seeing out of the linebackers so far? A lot was made before the season about CJ Hart. Obviously, he only played three quarters against Nebraska, but those were mighty productive three quarters before he sustained a season ending knee injury. Uh, Tariq Barnes. Uh, Isaac Darkangelo seems to kind of be a, a pleasant surprise. But what are you seeing as a whole out of out of the linebackers so far? I mean, it's just sort of quietly under the radar, mm-hmm. just solid. They're not doing anything extraordinary, but they're also not like, oh man, that tight end just roasted Tariq Barnes in coverage or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not making mistakes. It's just, it's not. I mean, you always kind of think like linebackers. Oh, they're going to make every tackle mm-hmm. and they're going to be on every play. I was like, well, Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton are <laughs> kind of taking some of those. And then, you know, the secondary. And because the defensive line has been maybe even a little better than expected. I the sec- think they have been, yeah. The secondary, their job's a little easier because, you know, of the work that the, that's being done up front. So the linebackers can just kind of be there, don't make mistakes, make plays when they have to, and I think that's what they've done. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it really has been like a pretty even three-way split between you know, Barnes, Hart, and D'Arcangelo. Um, like, D'Arcangelo's not the starter, but he plays the mm-hmm. same amount of snaps, essentially. Like, they've got three guys for two spots there. Illinois fans can rejoice after the Virginia win uh, two Saturdays ago because for years, decades probably, probably as long as Lauren Tate's been alive, they've been clamoring for the quarterback to throw the ball to the tight end. <laughs> they did that against Virginia. All uh, three of them. Uh, yeah. Luke Ford had four catches, team high, I believe, in, yep. in the game. Uh, Michael Marchese, touchdown. First of his career. 39-yarder down the sidelines, just showing off his speed. Well, he was wide open, which yeah, It's okay. Yeah, that did. Tip Ryman then reaching up high to grab one in the end zone, one of those goal line situations where it's like throw the ball to the tight end and <laughs> wow it worked they yeah. got a touchdown out of it but uh who would have thought play action to the tight end successful yeah two of the three or yeah because 
three touchdowns against Virginia were two to the tight ends, and then Matthew Bailey recovering a fumble on a horrifically bad punt return by Virginia. Well, when you decide to run backwards, <laughs> you really set yourself up for failure. Uh, I, I guess, big picture, have we seen the the best that this Illinois offense can, can bring so far, no. or is it just, especially, too, you think of the Virginia game, they're up 21-3 to at halftime. The game was essentially over at that point. You could... Scott started writing his game story at halftime and piecing things together. I'm I'm just speculating here. I don't. I honestly don't remember the the tone the tone and tenor of that game though was set by the time the third quarter rolled around. That Illinois was going to win this game. I yeah, kind of. But it was like with offense not really scoring because they had four turnovers too in the first half and still somehow led twenty one to yeah. three. But like it was just like. Like, you really could have used, like, one more touchdown. I was like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, all it takes is one broken play for defense, and, like, Virginia is right back in that mm-hmm. game. Um, but, no, like, the offense is, I think, barely scratched the surface. Okay. Mostly because they've turned it over nine times in two games, and, like, they it hasn't hurt them yet, but, like, it will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to play the odds here. Like, if you turn it over four times, maybe it's Chattanooga. But... Like Wisconsin? Well, that's the thing. I mean, this Chattanooga game on, on Thursday, I think a lot of people are already chalking it off as a win, and, and rightfully so. We've, we've addressed that point already. But you look at those first three weeks in October for Illinois. One, first off, thank God they're going back to some regularity with some Saturday games. I'm all for that. We were talking earlier about this. About yeah, just and if they are at 11, that's even better. Exactly. But the fact that Illinois only, will have only had one Saturday football game in September is just kind of mind-boggling because they had the Friday night game at Indiana, the Virginia game was on Saturday, then they had the bye week, and then this Thursday night game with Chattanooga. But you look at October and, oh man, Wisconsin, yes, I know they lost to Washington State. They still have a pretty good defense. Iowa, okay, they're easy to make fun of. Ask Bob Stoops and Fran McCaffrey. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty easy to make fun of the Hawkeyes. And Even when you don't know that you are, but you agreed to film this cameo <laughs> video that someone sent, they yeah, really wanted to cheer up their friend Brian. <laughs> but has been, it's not the like best thing on the internet <laughs> this year. It's not like Kirk Ferentz built his reputation as a offensive guru of course not otherwise we wouldn't have hired his son as coordinator exactly but still iowa for all of its offensive weaknesses so far and the fact that it's just looked atrocious on offense at times they have a really really good defense and a good punter exactly and then minnesota coming here to champaign for homecoming i don't know the gophers are they're i they just this Minnesota team to me has the feel of what it was in 2019 when PJ Fleck just kind of surprised everyone and they won 10 games and yeah. won the. I mean, they haven't goal. really played exactly. A tough That's team the thing. Yet. They haven't, but but they, they've putting up points. They've routed all three teams. Yeah. They beat New Mexico State 38 nothing. Western Illinois 62 seven. Colorado 49 seven. I mean, yeah. it's not like they're just you know they're barely scraping by. They're just blowing teams out left yeah, right. They're going to get a huge test this Saturday going to Michigan State uh, and the Spartans have their own issues. Uh, probably wondering why they gave $95 million to someone not named Nick Saban to coach the Spartans, even though he used to coach Michigan State back in the day. But my point being is Minnesota's got a really, really good defense too. So this Illinois offense, Chattanooga's kind of like their final uh, final dress rehearsal before you know it gets real in yeah. October. And it's not just the turnovers. Like 
have struggled in the red zone mm-hmm. to score. I mean, obviously had the, the series against Indiana mm-hmm. where you get four cracks from a yard, essentially, and you can't punch it in. And even when they've decided to sh- take a shot at a field goal, you know, Caleb Griffin hasn't been you know, very steady. Yeah, you know, four of eight on the season, only 50. Yeah, it's not great. Nope, it's 50%. Yeah. Um, it's 50-50 shot. That's an F <laughs> if we're going by it's true. You know, grades. But and so there's all kinds of areas that they can clean up to be better. And if they do, like when they've when they're moving the ball and, you know, not giving it to the other team, they can do some things. Like mm-hmm. Chase Brown is a we just talked about him still leading the nation in <laughs> rushing. You know, even after the bye. And like that's an option. And Tommy DeVito, you know, outside of, you know, that pick against Virginia, which was just a was a bad decision and a mm-hmm. bad throw. Like He's just been pretty steady. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't wowed, you know, maybe yet, but he hasn't made a ton of mistakes. And he's got kind of a presence about him back there. In, no, in you the know, pocket. the New Jersey swagger. Yeah, he's got some moxie back there. He seems confident in his And abilities. he's very aware of his surroundings. Mm-hmm. I just I may mean, go back, keep going back to the Wyoming game early, and, like, he just, there was facing some pressure, and he just took one step up in, mm-hmm. into the pocket. And it was like, okay, he gave himself more time, and then he completed that pass. Um, it was a play a year ago. Brandon Peters just would have taken a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, and DeVito's shown the ability to kind of get out of the pocket and scramble a bit if he, if yeah. he needs to. I'm trying to think. And I think after he, I think I guess it was the Virginia game. We said it just want you know that made that to make a living doing <laughs> that, but like he can you know pick up a first down if they need it. He mm-hmm. just doesn't want to like do it all the time. Yeah. All right, Scotty, what's your uh, I'm putting you on the spot here? You're going to make your predictions in, in Thursday's News Gazette, so let's give our listeners a, a sneak peek. You do have the right to change your score outcome. I think you're going to pick Illinois to win. Yeah. Uh, what? I mean, uh, Chattanooga's like they're a legitimate football team, mm-hmm. and like they had a first round draft pick in April. Illinois didn't have that. Illinois hasn't had a first round <laughs> draft pick for quite some time. AJ Jenkins, AJ Jenkins, and Whitney Merciless went in the first round yeah. in, in twenty uh, twenty eleven, yes. no twenty twelve draft. So Chattanooga had Cole Strange, offensive lineman, okay. drafted in the first round. They've got some guys, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm going to take Illinois. What's the score? It's the final score by the time late Thursday night arrives, and you're just walking into the Smith Center to start your post game interviews as midnight approaches. Oh boy! At least I don't have to drive three hours home. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. Can we tell our listeners in on on that? Yeah. On, so on after the Indiana game, um, <laughs> Friday night kick, seven p.m. You and Bob Osmussen drove 8 p- over eight p.m. in Bloomington. Drove over the day of. Stopped at the Beef House before. That was the best. Ed part Bond approved that decision. Um, and I mean, the play is obviously you ask for more rolls and then you take them home. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so covered the game. It was. A long one, oh, yeah. It was. It was one of the four hours. That's ones. where Scott's pace of play diatribe has started. Was yeah, in Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah, because it legitimately lasted four hours. Well, um, the Bears played Sunday night, and that game was over in about ninety minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they played out the string, but didn't really have to. But it's just, you know, hotels were very expensive in Bloomington. You know, I was thinking like, okay, I can drive to Indy, but by that point, it was like mm-hmm, back in Champaign in under two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just let's go drive all the way back. So what time did you guys finish up riding in the press box? Good question. Like, I think it was around 
significant pause here. Because well, <laughs> that whole day really messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> He's still feeling the effects. Maybe 1 o'clock, 2, okay. 1.30, I don't know. <laughs> one, let's go 1.30. All I know is I got home. Did you see the sunrise? Pretty near. <laughs> 4.06 a.m. Okay. All right. And then was just deathly <laughs> ill for three days after that. Is it a coincidence? I think not. Well, this time you get to cover the game. You can write in the press box if you want to, or you can make the short drive home and write there. Then, Yeah, just a quick little five-minute jaunt. Yeah, I have all the coverage at com and the wee hours of Friday morning after 7.30 kick on yeah. on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Okay, where I have Illinois winning. What's the, what's the final score? 34 to 10. 34 to 10, okay. I'm... We're actually uh, we're actually running our weekly Big Ten football page in Wednesday's news to get out this week because of the Thursday night kick. Um, I got Illinois winning for a shutout. I got thirty-seven nothing. I'm I'm on the Ryan Walters bandwagon. So whenever a lot of people hop on board later this year, we can mark this down as the Tuesday, moment. Was, September twentieth. Yes, you were, I was fully you were here on, already. Fully on board, riding shotgun. Uh, it'll be their first shutout since twenty fifteen. Wow. When they beat Western Illinois, another FCS opponent, 44 nothing on September 12th, 2015. So almost seven years since the last shutout. First one of the Brett Bielma era. And if Bielma gets a win Thursday night, he's 8-8 eight and eight at Illinois. 500. That hasn't happened for a coach through his first 16 games at Illinois since John Makovic. <laughs> you and I were toddlers then, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're in our mid-30s, so <laughs> do the math there, folks. It's been a few decades. All right, so Scott's got Illinois 34-10. I've got Illinois 37-0. Uh, we'll check back next week, see if we're right, and then get ready for Illinois-Wisconsin as Brett Bielema makes his return to Madison next next Saturday. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to talk all about it. He's going to get asked about it, so he, he knows it's coming. He's he's This isn't his first rodeo. Yeah, what I'm going to do next year when they play at Iowa is ask him all the same questions because he didn't actually go exactly. to he Iowa at a, He's at an undisclosed B, uh, Airbnb in Champaign last year because he popped positive for, for COVID. But, no, he'll be, he'll be making the trip to Madison and being on the visiting sidelines at Camp Randall next Saturday. But we'll dive into that more next week. Thanks again for listening. This has been Inside Illini Football. Have a good week, everyone.